Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Thursday, May 27th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. Haitian immigrants in the U.S. react to renewed deportation protection. Plus, U.S. intelligence is now researching the origins of COVID-19. But first, climate change activists get a win over big oil. Yesterday, a court in The Hague ordered oil giant Royal Dutch Shell to reduce its carbon emissions. In a first-of-its-kind ruling, Shell was ordered to cut emissions by 45 percent by 2030. That's 25 percent more than their previous goal. And it's just one of the latest moves to hold big oil accountable on climate change. Axios' climate and energy reporter Andrew Freeman is here to explain more. Hi, Andrew. Hi, how are you? Andrew, why is this ruling such a big deal? Well, this is the first time that there's ever been a court ruling that orders a multinational company to reduce their emissions. And not only the emissions that they uh, might make in their own operations, but also the emissions that are coming from its customers. So from like you going to the gas station and filling up from Shell and then burning that gas in your car, for example, that they must take that into account, too. Yesterday, we saw another major oil company, Exxon, added two new board members, one of whom has a background in renewables. Is it fair to say we're going to continue to see aggressive tactics when it comes to holding big oil accountable? Yes, I think that's fair. I think we are going to be seeing increased pressure on oil and gas companies to get their act together when it comes to taking climate change into account from their business perspective. So Exxon has been moving much more slowly than its European counterparts, such as Shell, when it comes to committing to reduce its own greenhouse gas emissions. They've made targets that are generally viewed as weaker than their European counterparts. And they've continued to invest very significantly in oil and gas, uh, which, you know, many investors in ExxonMobil want to see them beef up their renewable portfolio. I should emphasize that that this really was an unprecedented occurrence at an Exxon shareholders meeting where you had activist hedge fund, which owns very little of the company, get backed by major pension funds and, you know, investors like BlackRock and others to insert kind of rebel board members that are going to try to enact a more climate-friendly agenda. What effect might all of this have on consumers? This is not really going to change what happens at the pump. But what's at stake is, you know, these companies have a lot to do with whether or not we actually achieve the emissions reduction goals that we need to achieve for a Uh, safer planet from what scientists have shown. So there are real-world consequences of what future ExxonMobil plans for itself, what they view as the future for oil and gas. It's critical to, to see whether or not they're thinking in line with the Paris Agreement. And the Dutch court found that Shell may have a 2050 goal that's in accordance with the uh, Paris Agreement, but not a 2030 goal. Andrew Friedman covers climate and energy for Axios. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. We'll be back in 15 seconds with the worsening COVID crisis in Haiti. 
Labudu. Welcome back to Axios Today. President Biden has extended temporary protected status, or TPS, for Haitians living in the U.S., which will keep some 150,000 people safe from deportation. Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas visited Miami yesterday to hear from the Haitian community about their ongoing concerns, which comes as COVID is on the rise in Haiti. My former Miami Herald colleague Jacqueline Charles is the Caribbean correspondent for the newspaper. Hey, Jacqueline. Hi, how are you? What are Haitian community members saying they're most worried about right now? Everyone is saying we need a pathway to citizenship because in a year's time, the community will be right back in the same place, wondering whether or not the administration is going to support TPS. At the same time, the community is still concerned about deportations that are happening. This measure does not protect against thousands of people who have been deported under this administration under Title 42, which is the public health law that former President Trump invoked after COVID-19, basically saying to folks, you are a public health risk. We're sending you back to your country. And what is the public health situation in Haiti right now? COVID cases in Haiti are accelerating. Haiti is the only country in Latin America and the Caribbean that does not have a vaccine. And the earliest possibly that they may get any vaccines from the WHO is by June. Today, hospitals are turning people away or they're having to transfer people to other facilities and they're literally running out of beds. The Minister of Health also reported this week that more than 50% or at least 50% of the COVID infections that they are seeing are people under the age of 50. And for the first time since this pandemic was confirmed, I actually heard a government official say, we are very worried. They have put in nightly curfews. They're telling people that they need to wear their mask. But this is a country of 11.5 million people. It is overcrowded everywhere. People need to go out day in and day out to make a living. So it's going to be very difficult to convince people to go into lockdown or to remain at home. Jacqueline Charles is the Caribbean correspondent for the Miami Herald. Thank you. Thank you. Yesterday, President Biden pushed U.S. intelligence officials to do a more intense investigation into the origins of COVID, including a theory that COVID-19 was caused by a lab accident in Wuhan. Bethany Allen Ibrahimian is Axios' China reporter and here to catch us up on the latest. Bethany, people have been debating the origins of this for a while. What spurred President Biden to make this announcement yesterday? It seems that perhaps what spurred the announcement was perhaps the growing controversy resulting from a Wall Street Journal article last week revealing that, in fact, according to U.S. intelligence, there were several researchers in the Wuhan Institute for Virology that fell ill in November 2019 and had to go to the hospital, exhibiting symptoms that were consistent with COVID, but also with other common seasonal illnesses. A lot of this evidence is obviously in China. Are they going to be sharing any of this? They have really dedicated an enormous amount of their government resources over the past year and a half to distancing China from the coronavirus. And when the World Health Organization was finally permitted to send investigators a few months ago to Wuhan, they issued a report that included as one of the possible scenarios uh, that the virus had come into China through cold chain storage, which does not have strong scientific backing at all. So it's clear that the, the 
Chinese government is not interested in being transparent and, in fact, quite the opposite, that they are determined to deny all ties to the, the start of the coronavirus pandemic. Bethany Allen Ibrahimian is Axios' China reporter. Thanks, Bethany. Thank you so much. Before we go today, we're headed into Memorial Day weekend. I'm going to the beach, but more importantly, with a few books. I'm a huge fan of fiction. I read about a book a week. This weekend, I'm looking forward to Emily Henry's new book, People We Meet on Vacation. And in the more serious category, I'm also taking The Hemmings of Monticello. What's on your summer reading list? Tweet me your favorites. My handle's Nyla Boodoo. That's it for us today. Our email is podcast at axios.com to send us feedback. And for more news before tomorrow, you can always tune into our afternoon podcast, Axios Recap. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.